to IP over coffee, your weekly coffee break where you will learn about the fun part of intellectual property rights. I'm Alena Kapachova and I am Maria Gomez and we are the host of the podcast. In this coffee break, we will provide you with some tips and tricks about intellectual property rights on top of interesting legal cases. Grab your coffee, tea or drink of preference and let's start. So welcome to this new first branded episode of 2021. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, if you're listening this Monday, the 4th of January, Happy New Year. If not, well, Happy New Year anyway. <laughs> Hopefully this year will be much better yeah. than the previous one. But the best, the good thing about the 2020 is that we launched our podcast. And yes. you will listen to more and more episodes this year. Yeah, so 2020 was a bad year in general for everyone around the world. So we hope 2021 is better in general for everyone. At least be good. A normal year is fine. N- nothing crazy. <laughs> yes, that's true. And to celebrate the start of this year, we have a very nice topic. Yeah. So we're going to talk about something that probably you have been drinking quite a lot these past days to celebrate the new year. And that's it. What is it, Alena? This is champagne. 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 (laughs) That's the sparkling wine, the sound that you can remember, recognize, uh, the sound of the glasses with champagne. (laughs) And that's uh, the drink that we usually have for specific events in our life. Yeah, I think everyone knows what champagne is, but it's interesting to know that champagne is a specific sparkling wine from the region of Champagne in France. And this wine uh, is protected and regulated under an appellation of origin, which is called in French, Appellation d'Origine Contrôlée. Yeah, and uh, French people are very proud of of champagne, and yeah. they're very strictly. They have very strict regulation about the word champagne, about the process of production, of marketing, and so on. In the region of Champagne, 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 <laughs> champagne in France, uh, there is a special organization that unites all producers of this awesome sparkling wine in that region. And uh, what's the name of this organization? Okay, so don't I if, if I slaughter a bit the French, I'm very sorry from the beginning, but it's Comité Interprofessionnel du Vin de Champagne. Yes, they do promote interest of those producing and marketing of sparkling wines sold under geographical indication champagne, and only those people, those companies located there. Uh, have the rights to use the word champagne on the bottles. Yeah, also in general, champagne as a geographical indication, and we will explain what a geographical indication is, um, protects the word itself. So this is why we think it's very important to be aware of this kind of protection is outside trademark law, copyright law, patent yeah. law, That's something law. different. And actually, you must be seeing all this um, on the specific products like wines or cheese. You must have seen these yeah. small labels. So they- if you're a foodie, you will probably yeah. have seen, and also in the supermarket, you can find all yes. these different labels. 
So before we jump into the legal things, uh, Elena, do you like like champagne? Oh yes, of course. That's <laughs> the that's a symbol of something nice happening. For yes, some expectation. Yeah. Oh, it's to celebrate the best moments in your life. Yeah, that's true. I mean, champagne is used in when you get married, in birthdays, New Year's, uh, Christmas. So yes, yeah, it's, it's, we kind of associate it with celebration, yeah. glamour, yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump into the definition of a geographical indication because you might listen to geographical indication over and over in this podcast, in this episode, and you will be asking like, what is it? So Elena, please let us know. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> From the legal perspective, there are different terms that are used in different countries. Uh, people focus more on, Euro on Europe. Yeah. Uh, and here we have geographical indication as something that identifies this specific product is originating from the specific territory, specific region or locality in the territory where the quality or reputation or any other characteristic of these products are essentially connected to that geographical part. Yes. Well, actually, that definition is from the TRIPS agreement, which is an international agreement for the protection of intellectual property rights. And it's bro broader than just the European Union. Yeah. So you can find other members that are outside Europe. Um, we mentioned the European perspective for geographical indications, because in Europe, this is really important. We we say we because we're both based in the Netherlands, we're both mm -hmm. from European countries. And we like all this cheese that this product, <laughs> this is using of geographical indications, Cheeses, labels on those. wines, <laughs> beers, we like this, we like food, yes. So, um, and in Europe, there's a lot of protection for this heritage and there's a lot of emphasis. So whenever the European Union signs a commercial uh, or trade a trade agreement, agreement yes. with any other country, this is an important part. Yeah, you must have heard from the news that uh, these trade negotiations with Canada or the other non-EU countries uh, get a lot of attention and quite a, a lot of um Emphasis is also uh, attention paid to the intellectual property regulation. Absolutely. Uh, there was a lot of debate how to protect the specific products mm. in the United States, for example. Do you yes. remember any years, any examples for those? Well, the, in 2020, if I don't remember wrong, uh, there was these negotiations with China and mm -hmm. a lot of uh, geographical indications from Europe started to be protected in China and otherwise because... In Asian countries, uh, they also protect a lot their heritage and geographical indications. They're not only focused on food stuff. That's very mm -hmm. interesting because they have other things they want to protect under this uh, figure that are cultural. Mm -hmm. But in Europe, we focus in well, we focus on the food stuff and wines and spirits. But it's very interesting. For example, in Thailand, they protect mm -hmm. the, the specific black pepper. And there are many, many geographical indications from other countries that are not European. The yeah, that's very interesting. Oranges yeah. in Israel, for example, they have a geographical mm -hmm. indication. So there are many, many products around the world. Um, there is also an, an agreement between uh, countries. Uh, not every country is a part of this agreement. For example, the United States is not. Uh, where they share their... They agree to protect specific geographical indications in those countries mm -hmm. and champagne 
is part of this uh, of the list of such protected products. Yeah. So champagne is protected in um, all countries members of Lisbon Agreement, like uh, Cuba, Korea, uh, Israel, Mexico. Yes, we mentioned different countries that uh, you see is not just Europe, uh, also mm-hmm. uh, outside Europe countries. And this is why we want to mention that countries uh, where they protect are very different and others that they don't protect champagne. We will mention why later on through the episode. So the geographical indications, apart of um, protecting this foodstuff or non-foodstuff outside Europe, um, they have different uh, categories within this protection. So we do have protected designations of origin, PDO, and we do have also in Europe protected geographical indications, PGI. What is the difference? Well, the difference is how much protection you get. So the PDO, protected designation of origin, um, protects the entire product uh, as being traditional and entirely manufactured in that region. And due to that, acquires unique properties. So all the stages of production are connected to the specific region. Yes. Right. So, for example, if uh, the let's say wheat has to grow in that region and yep. has to be used later in the process, let's imagine they use wheat. <laughs> and, um, so everything has to be controlled from the moment in all the steps of the production. All right. And the label for that. Um, this designation is uh, red and yellow. Yes, we will put a clear link in our notes of the podcast on IP over coffee so you can see the different logos. The other logo is blue and yellow and it's for protected geographical indications. And what do they protect, Elena? Uh, this applies to the products where the traditional manufacturers, are. It, it, those are at least partially manufactured prepared, processed, or produced within the specific region. So that's why their unique properties are connected still to that region, but it's not really necessary that you need to to complete all their steps. So you can uh, just uh, make one step of production there and finish in another. So Normally the finish is in that specific region. And maybe like, for example, if they have to grow a cereal, they might Mm -hmm. grow it in another region. That's normally what happens. The last part is... produced but there are different ones and if you are interested we'll put several links to different original sources where you can see uh, how many geographical indications they are so next time when you're buying some delicious wine or cheese or any other food please pay attention to the packaging and see which label they have this red yellow or blue yellow yeah so going back to champagne, we which mentioned countries, which countries there have protection. <laughs> we mentioned that some countries do have protection, others do not have protection as a geographical indication. So um, we are going to analyze. Um, well, all the European Union protects champagne as a geographical indication. Uh, actually, is a P, an appellation de designation de origin. Sorry. I said the it appe- terrible. The appellation. Appellation de origin <laughs> controle. Yes. Or the appellation of origin yes. in English. Better we just stick to English. Um, and there was um, 
a very interesting case with Aldi. In, in Germany. But I would like to start with a case in Chile. Because this is a case outside the European Union. So this uh, case is... Uh, it can show you how you cannot use the word champagne, but also the translations of champagne. So in this case, uh, a biscuit uh, company wanted to uh, fill a biscuit trademark in Chile called Costa Galleta Champagna. So what does it mean? Uh, so Costa could be a, a surname and also can be the coast, like mm -hmm. the sea. Uh, galleta is biscuit or cookie. And Champagne, Champagne is champagne. But, yeah, translation. <laughs> um, so, um, in Chile, Chile, sorry. Um, Which is part of the Lisbon Agreement, I believe. Yes. So they agreed to protect mutually all their geographical indications coming from other countries. So if in Europe we agree that champagne... Um, only the bottles of sparkling wine produced from French region of Champagne can have the name Champagne on those. Yes. So in other countries, they also follow the same rules. So they would not allow other wines to be called Champagne. And this is within their um, the regulation the, for a trademark law within the country. So they established that your, uh, protected geographical indications, PDOs, which are... Uh, um, Protect, uh, protection denomination of origin um, in Chile cannot be registered as a trademark. Of course, because it will create their uh, their conflict of interests. And this is the same uh, yeah. the same regulation, for example, in the European Union. You cannot use a word that is used in a geographical indication for any trademark. Doesn't matter if it's another product or another service, not connected, mm -hmm. you cannot use it. So they applied for a trademark to to use the, the translation of the word champagne in the cookies. Yes, and probably it was an honest mistake because they might not have thought that this was linked whatsoever to champagne, but... The, because of the translation? Exactly, yeah, and perhaps. also because champagne can also be like the land being flat and like a lot of nature hmm. and so right, they could have thought that it was not connected at all okay but the court no it was neither, not even the court this was the trademark office of mm -hmm. chile and they just refuse it so very important because when you are filling a trademark filing a trademark in the trademark office you're paying money so Please be careful. Check these geographical indications protected in your country before or in any jurisdiction before you file the trademark because you're going to lose money. Yeah, and you will not get your trademark registration. Exactly. So this company could not register this trademark with the champagne in the in their name of the well, trademarks? Yeah, the translation is not even champagne. Would it be so. even possible to register the uh, champagne or as a part of trademark in other countries, like United States, for example? Well, United States is a very specific case because uh, in United States, champagne is considered a generic term. So they referred uh, champagne to any sparkling, sparkling wine. wine, yes. Yes. It's actually not just in the United States. No, it's also happens the same in Argentina, for yeah. example. 
they have, there is actually the, a map if you go to the official website of the um, champagne uh, of the association of pro champagne producers in France, and they show that the, actually the big areas uh, in the in the world do not. I recognize champagne as something specific um, associated with France, like United States, Argentina, and the biggest on the map is Russia. Yeah. Russia, together with a few so former Soviet Union countries, where champagne is also a generic term to specific kind of sparkling wine. <laughs> we will add a link to the notes of the podcast on ipovercoffee.com so you can find all this information if you have a need to search more or you want to learn more. Um, I think it's very interesting to understand that generic terms within the different trademark uh, regulations per country cannot be registered as a trademark. So in the case of United States, the Lanham uh, Act, which is the trademark law, establishes that generic terms are never eligible for trademark protection because they refer to a general class of products rather than indicating a unique source. So you cannot connect a source of origin, the company that produces or mm -hmm. sells the product, to the product or the service. And that's the main objective of trademark law. Trademark law is that you can connect who is selling you what. Yes, yes, exactly. Because trademark is always a unique name connected to your business. And uh, generic terms cannot be recognized as something specifically connected to one person, specific producer. Is imagine the registering wine, the trademark wine for wines. No, yeah. no one can do that because no. it would create a monopoly. And you will not really connect the company or yes. the person behind that with the product with or service. There are a lot of interesting cases about uh, trademarks becoming generic, uh, which happens sometimes, but we will talk about that in the next episodes. Not in the next one, but in, in yes, one of in the next the, ones. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, and what happened in Germany? Was it in Germany with Aldi? Yes, a few years ago, uh, the case of uh, 2017, three years ago, uh, in the... Two 2017 is 17. We're yeah. in 2021 today. <gasps> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine that the 2020 is over already. So four years ago, in the supermarket chain Aldi, uh, there was a special uh, sorbet um, salt that was named Champagneur Champagne Champagne Sorbet. I am not sure how you will pronounce it, but sounds like some Champagneur Champagne Sorbet or something like that. And uh, Aldi is, as Alena mentioned, a supermarket chain uh, mm -hmm. originally from Germany. You can find it in many countries all around Europe, but if you're listening from outside Europe, you might not know this chain. So... They have many different products and they have their own brands, mm -hmm. which are normally a little bit cheaper. And this uh, sorbet was... Uh, ice cream. Yes, it's an ice cream without cream. That's a yes. sorbet. So the sorbet contained 12% of champagne. Actually, it was real champagne so from champagne. Area. Okay, so this ice cream is not for kids. <laughs> no for kids. <laughs> or no for people who cannot drink. Yes. Uh, so according to the Champagne Committee, um, the sorbet 
had real champagne. So they it was part of the evidence that the, mm -hmm. the sorbet had real champagne and only champagne. Not It was not mixed with other sparkling with other wines oh, right. like Cava, Prosecco. So no. it was not just like added uh, flavor, but it, it contained it initially yes. in the recipe. All right. Yes. But the committee of champagne... Still were not happy about that, perhaps? No, because <laughs> they didn't want Aldi to use the word champagne in the product. Yes, because of the exclusivity and uh, this luxurious aura of champagne. Well, yes. Um, the thing is that it takes a lot of time and effort to build this reputation. So they wanted which to connect is, it. Which is there because, we, as we said, champagne is associated with some celebrations. So yes. I don't think that was always the case. And that was specifically built the reputation for this wine. Of course, there's a lot of work behind this, so it's important to acknowledge that. Uh, but in this case, uh, the Court of Justice of the European Union followed different guidelines. Uh, in this case, the guidelines are outside intellectual property law. Uh, they are for agricultural products and foodstuff. And these regulations establish that, well, in this case, the foodstuff, in this case the sorbet, ha contained the ingredient... Champagne. It tasted of champagne, so it was used in a sufficient quantity to confer an essential characteristic to the product. And the percentage was um, remarkable, was a 12%, which in food is, is a good percentage in general. So at the end, the conclusion was that, well, it tastes as champagne and uses some champagne, champagne as an ingredient. So They can use champagne in the name. So there is no actually abusive exploitation of the reputation of the champagne geographical indication here. Yeah. So they allow to sell their champagne uh, sorbet. Uh, check it out if you're in Germany, if it's still available there. <laughs> I haven't gone to an Aldi for a while, but maybe they still uh, sell this sorbet. If I can find it online, we will add it to the notes. If not, we... Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> we may put it later on. Well, we mentioned that not in every country champagne is protected as strictly as in Europe. For example, um, as I mentioned, uh, that in the former, a few former Soviet Union countries, champagne also became a generic term to refer to any sparkling wine, which is uh, traditionally served for the New Year's Eve, for example. And there is actually a very uh, famous uh, brand of Soviet of Soviet champagne, which is called Sovietskaya Champanske. Yeah, can you pronounce that very no. well? No, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm just imagining anyone who is not from a uh, country that original was from the Soviet Union, and they will be like, really? They had their own specific champagne? Yes. They and, did. Yeah, and the bottle is also uh, using... Um, This very beautiful, so you could think that this is champagne, and the technology is actually very similar one. So the people in Soviet Union, they traveled to France to learn the technology of production of champagne wines, and they introduced and were using some local specialties, of course, the local wine products. And uh, due to some yeah historical differences, there was no legal protection for the brand Champagne. Um, well, not the brand, the, the geographical indication. Yes, 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 exactly. And even now, there is no protection for Champagne 
as a trademark or if because it's, it became a generic name. Yeah, it's a generic term, so you cannot use it in your trademark. Uh, it's uh, interesting that in some countries they changed this approach. For example, in Ukraine, uh, since 2016, they didn't want to use the Soviet champagne as the as the brand name, but want to wanted to to change it due to decommunization laws. And down now it's called Sovetovskaya Champanskaya. But if you look on the on the label, it looks the same. <laughs> okay. That's super interesting because I had no idea about this uh, sparkling wine. Yeah, yeah, people all outside of uh, of those region, they are not aware that in yeah, it might be those are different traditions and yeah. uh, not specifically uh, champagne is not specifically connected to France as uh, people in France believe. <laughs> but well, in reality, champagne is connected to France. The only thing is that you have this generic term called. Please pronounce it. I can't. Champanske. <laughs> Champanske. Yes. Which is a Russian trans- translation of champagne. Yes. So, Sovietske Champanske. Yes, Sorry. you did it very good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. But thank you. So, as you can see, um, there are different regulations You uh, in different countries. If we are jumping to the tips, yes, let's jump and as conclusion the tips. to the long discussions about this interesting subject, the first one would be: if you are going to use the name champagne in your product or in the service you are going to offer, first of all, don't do it. Second, <laughs> if you really, really, really want to do it, check the laws in the country. Okay, because you might not be able to register a trademark with that name, with Champagne Insight. Even the combinations of Champagne mm-hmm. are not allowed or the translations of Champagne, they might not be allowed, like in the Chilean case. So we recommend you to not use it, but if you want to use it, check every single source of the law for being aware of the repercussions. And the second tip is that There are many legal ways to protect nice products, not just trademarks, uh, which indicates the commercial origins, but also geographical indications if your product is connected to the specific characteristic of the specific region and the, the legislation of your country or the country where you want to produce it allows that. Yes, you can have other type of protections like collective marks. We will talk about that in further episodes or also uh, unfair competition. So yeah, I, I, I believe that it's, it's very good that for there are different legal regimes to yeah. protect um, interests and to protect the quality also for, for people who are buying this product. So you can have expectation when you buy champagne, it will be the taste of real champagne. Yes. So thank you very much for joining to this first episode in 2021. We're very happy to be back and I hope you listen to the next one too. Thank you and till next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. We share our notes on our website ipovercoffee.com. Check it out if you want to learn more. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram as ipovercoffee. By the way, this podcast gives general information and cannot be considered as legal advice. Did you like this episode? Please subscribe and leave your feedback. We would love to hear from you. New episode next Monday.